0: money is neutral money doesn't have a Mm. behaviour money doesn't have a personality it's what we perceive money Mm. as
1: my name is Will Small I'm a husband and a dad and for the sake of my family and my community I want to be a healthy man images on magazines would lead me to believe that means having ripped abs and a good paycheck but I'm not satisfied with that story are you? Join me and my guests as we explore the idea of healthy manhood in the modern world. This is the Mankind Podcast. Is anything more stereotypically masculine than showing off one of your scars? Funnily enough, there's a gnarly scar story within this episode, but it's not about bravado or showing off or anything like that. It's tied up in a bigger conversation about health and money, and listening to the little niggles in our gut when something doesn't seem quite right. My guest on this episode is Glenn James. He is a retired, multiple award-winning financial advisor, and one of the co-hosts of the hugely successful My Millennial Money podcast. Beyond all that, Glenn is just a great guy, and this conversation is probably a little bit different to a lot of the podcasts and speaking gigs that he does, so I'm super grateful he was up for it. We spoke about a whole bunch of stuff, including the money stories we grew up with and uh, what it means to be healthy in a holistic way. This was a fantastic chat, and uh, if nothing else, like I mentioned, it features a cool scar story. So stick around, and you'll find out what that's all about. Well, Glenn James of My Millennial Money, I was thinking while I was driving over here to your lovely studio that if my podcast, Mankind... Was to have a baby with your podcast, it would probably be called My Millennial Manhood.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Interesting. And your podcasts seem to multiply, so maybe in the future you could you could acquire this one. And it could become another.
0: totally. I'm 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 down with anything. My biggest problem is I'm a starter and I'm not a finisher, so I'm happy to start it. Well,
1: I don't know if I. Can I think I it. share that problem. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely a starter and not a finisher, so. Who knows if we'll get to the end of this conversation, but we both made it to the beginning. Yeah, we'll give it a shake. Drinking some delicious coffee that you've provided. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, local Central Coast coffee
1: roaster. It's Glee. Glee coffee roasters. Very good, very good. I've, uh, I've seen a lot of coffee action on your Instagram. Yeah. It really hyped me up for coming here. Love it. Very good. Well, on my podcast, Mankind, generally what I do is I have conversations uh, with, with people around the ideas of manhood that they grew up with. And I think of it as stories. We all grow up within a set of stories. There's stories around what it means to be Australian, stories around what it means to be a man or a woman, stories around what it means to grow up in your suburb or your postcode or whatever. And obviously, this is true of money as well. And most of the time, we're kind of unconscious of these things. They're just sort of in the air that we breathe. But when we become aware of them, we can start to kind of work out is this actually the story I want to live out of? Is this helpful? So I'm just wondering, from your perspective, do you see some kind of common stories around money that people grow up with? What might some of those be? And maybe if you want to go into it, which ones are maybe more helpful or unhelpful than others?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think broadly, and everything I say is kind of just anecdotal from listeners when they write in and, you know, might put a comment in the Facebook group or if I'm interviewing people. But I think there's broadly... I think three kind of reoccurring themes that I see. It's like growing up, low-income household, just no two cents to scratch together. The other one could be um, probably the mid-range. It's like mum and dad, working-class family. You know, we didn't want for much, but we didn't have everything. That was kind of probably more my family. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the third part of the story is around um, debt and you know mom or dad never had a credit card and and particularly my family dad was always like you don't have the money can't buy it like actually pretty simple mm-hmm. and then the other kind of branch of that third point is oh mom and dad always had car loans and credit cards so a blend I can't say that you know it's 90% one of those things but it might be pretty well balanced uh, particularly with my listeners because there is such a variety of listeners uh, I think the helpful ones, I think any anyone's money story can be helpful in two ways. It's I can double down on what I've been taught and keep it that way because it clearly worked or I can go, hey, I don't want the next generation to be like my family growing up for whatever reason. Mm. So I think it's kind of like, it's what you make it. You've just got to be self-aware enough to know that whatever was in the past or the, the thinkings or the mindset or the habits and behaviors that we've witnessed growing up, we have to be self-aware enough to go, okay, no, I'm doing this now or yeah, he was or she was onto it. Like mum or dad were onto it or dad or pop were onto it mm. and then learn from that.
1: Yeah, for sure. The self-awareness thing is huge, right? Because I think a lot of people and maybe when they get into a relationship with somebody who's grown up in a different kind of household or with different kind of money messages, that's obviously often one of those moments where you kind of have this clash and you're like, no, this is, this is how we should deal with our money. We should predominantly, you know, be Scrooge McDuck and not spend a cent even though there's money there. Or we should, you know, hey... Like live today. Yeah. And that's interesting. You say that because some of the most popular episodes that
0: we've done is on money mindset. Mm. Because and when you think about it, like if I put $100, you know, on the top of your laptop there um, and we bought five random people in from the street, you know, one person might say, oh, $100, that's changed my life. Other person might say, oh, sweet. So, money is neutral. Money doesn't have a Mm. behavior. Money doesn't have a personality. It's what we, I guess, perceive money Mm. as.
1: Yeah, so true. I remember one of my most influential high school teachers actually teaching us about money and just this kind of idea that's quite basic when you think about it, but just him kind of saying, look, at the end of the day, this is either paper or numbers that actually aren't worth anything. It's only worth something because we all believe in it. Yeah. And society's put a value on that. Yeah.
0: And as well, you could say the same, you know, all the gold uh, freaks out there that are just the world's ending tin hat and buying gold could actually say the same for gold. It's just a bit of rock that society says we put value on it.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So obviously this podcast is, uh, kind of predominantly thinking around these ideas of of manhood and, and men's health and things like that. And I'm just wondering, I can probably think of some stereotypes that come to my mind, but I'd be interested in your observations or reflections around, are there kind of common money attitudes that you see more prevalent in men? Now, obviously, it's going to be a generalization, mm. but just wondering if you see kind of particular kind of maybe cultural narratives that, that men particularly kind of live out when it comes to money and how it, you know, the role it plays in their lives?
0: Yeah, I think,
1: and again, just my experience
0: when we're looking at money, I don't think it's any different than any other area of our life. And I'll give you an example. So probably up to 70%, 65 to 70% of our listeners are female, okay? Mm-hmm. I put that down to maybe a couple of reasons. Um, well probably the main one. I think sometimes us men we think we don't need to learn because it's all good,
1: under like mm. control. It's like a self-reliance, yeah, narrative,
0: yeah. And I think I, I like I've been such a victim of this my whole life, and it's different to Nathie who works in the studio. I will, and it's personality, personality thing as well. So it's probably not strictly male female type thing, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I might get a new camera or microphone or whatever. I'll just rip it out, plug it in, and play with it. Where that gimbal we got the other day, Nath ripped it out. He's looking at the manual. I'm like, what are you looking? Just, what? Just play with it, just Nath. What are you doing? But the problem is, it probably takes me longer because I want to self-figure it out. Mm. So I think with our money, broad brushstroke. A lot of us guys are like, oh, it's all good. I don't need a podcast for encouragement. I don't know because I, I get it. I just go on a forum and read it once and I'm done. Where the thing I'm doing with the podcast, it's not really about the information. It's about the ongoing encouragement. Mm. So it's like I listen to this money podcast every week or whenever I can to keep me on track that there is a tribe of people who are on the same page and journey as me. That's probably, I think, sometimes women might think that and I can't speak for women just my observations that they might be more open to learning about the money stuff because maybe the contracts the constructs of society wasn't there to put value on educating women about things
1: Mm. there could also be I wonder if there's something is that bad to say no, like I'm not, not if it's, rude. I, I think what you're talking about is, yeah, it's about the I cultural mean, structures. Because like
0: you, you kind of look at the
1: gender pay gap and mm. all that stuff. Like,
0: I think the tide is now turning because women now have control
1: mm.
0: and are on the same playing field, if not getting on the same playing field. Mm. And I know a lot of my listeners, most of the strong testimonies of I paid off debt, I did that, are coming from the women and not from right. the men. Interesting on balance more from the women mm-hmm. sure there are more women listeners but it's just interesting anecdotally mm. to look at that yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure yeah i've i've had a lot of conversations you know particularly around the idea that men generally and it's all generalizations these are all spectrums and i'm i'm a big fan of um like i don't feel like a very masculine man i never have i feel mm-hmm. much more like, and I have this whole thing around. I've got two sons, but I'm like, geez, I I would have been a way better dad of daughters. Which yeah. is part of what put me on this journey of this podcast. But wow. I mean, why do I think that? What What are these ideas around manhood that I have? Where did I get them? But I wonder if there's something around the idea that generally men seem to find it harder to open up about things. Anyway, yeah, you know? I mean, so maybe the money thing, money's like a sensitive sort of thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's kind of this this LinkedIn sort of.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Like I'm sitting here sweating bullets because I'm a guest on your show that's talking about all the soft stuff of life. Like what if he asks me, what do I feel about this? Like, I don't know. Like do we have to talk about that? Mm. So, yeah, it's interesting.
1: How, how do you feel about about <laughs> this? <laughs> oh, I, I feel vulnerable. Hey, that's good. This is This is kind of what I'm about. Yeah, I mean… Know?
0: It's, um, I'm pretty honest on my podcast openly about stuff, but mm. I think there's two types of honesty. It's like you've got this public honesty where, mm. you know, I can talk about my situation and it's all good. but And I, I have talked publicly about like mental health stuff on the podcast on my own mm. journey. So, But there's just still some areas of vulnerability that we've all got, mm. right? And the question is, what if you asked me that? an area of vulnerability that I think it's vulnerable but to you it wouldn't be mm. because we all, I think, we experience the world how we see it. Yep. And, you know, we could be looking at uh, that camera there. I'm looking at it from this angle and I'm like, mm. no, 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 no. It's, it's this long, it's that long but you're looking at it from that side and you're like, no, no, it's this way. Mm. So I think it's just we all experience the world differently.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny cuz to me like actually if you were interviewing me about money, I would feel very vulnerable. Yeah. Whereas if you were interviewing me about my emotions, yeah. I'd probably be I'd probably be pretty chill yeah. about that. So there is obviously uh, a layers to all of this. Do you see anything around i don't know maybe it's a stereotype but men kind of having a certain sense of their identity wrapped up in their income level or their kind of ambition around wealth yeah i think so um and it's been really hard
0: i guess for me working you know primarily in financial services where there's a lot of ego there's a lot of big big salary earners like I was at a conference once and, you know, at a table and talking to these guys, a little bit older than me, but he said, oh, yeah, I've got a, I've got the new Merc or whatever, and 200 grand. And then this guy said he had a Bentley and um, so much of their identity was wrapped up in this mm. car thing. I love cars. And here I am was like, oh, I've got a Ford Focus. Um, <laughs> like, but it was weird for me because towards, because I'm now a retired financial advisor, um. You know, even three, four years ago, I was getting to the stage where I could afford to get a $200,000 car if I wanted to. Mm. Dumb decision. And I've had to really work on my identity can't be tied up in that because it's a never-ending thing that you can't ever chase. Mm -hmm. Like you look at all the celebrities that, you know, get addicted to substances. I don't want to start this chase of Mm. superficial And I love cars. So if I buy a nice car, it might be a secondhand 30 grand Lexus. You know what I mean? Like it's sure. So yeah. So I think the identity thing is it's been a challenge for me and I've had to consciously be aware of that Mm. and also consciously not buy into it, Mm. particularly around the financial planning and the financial services world where there is a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, that kind of finding your identity in your money is not strictly a gendered thing. Obviously, anybody can struggle with that. But I wonder if for a while in history that has been more of a thing that because men have dominated the, the workforce and women have been at home, there's been more of that maybe temptation to build who you are mm. around dollars and cents, which yeah. kind of leads me to the next kind of question I have, you know, is just around... I'm very interested in health. I'm more interested in health than I am in gender. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, broadly speaking about men's health, but, you know, I think health is probably something that cuts across some of those boxes that we create. Mm. But when it comes to like being healthy with our money, obviously I think it's got more to do with, or it's got, it's not strictly about how much you make because you could have heaps of money and be quite financially unhealthy and have not very much. You Absolutely. Know, yeah. As Biggie told us, mm. more money, no more problems. problems. Mm. Great song. Talk to me about this. What What do you think financial health is about? Well, I, I actually think
0: finan- if I would say you are financially healthy, if you one, feel like you're not living week to week, mm-hmm. I would say you're financially healthy if you are uh, secondly not living on more than what you earn. Mm -hmm. And then I would say you're probably financially healthy if you are generous with your money and might have some giving in there because, you know, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. And I like to say you need to always give some, save some and spend some and in that order because one, you give some, it's not about me, I'm helping other people. Mm-hmm. Save some, I need to look after future me and future family. And then three, spend some, then I can spend because you need to enjoy life as well. So I would say those things there about financial health. And then with the give some, save some, spend some. If you're only doing one category, it's unhealthy. So if you're only saving all your money, I'm being dramatic, like you save mm-hmm. all your money, you you don't experience life, you don't take your family out and buy a ten dollar ice cream each or whatever that is, it's bad because you're not looking um, for other people. You're not looking out for other people. Mm. And you are just hoarding up money. If you just spent all your money, it gets to the point where it's like, well, you're not looking after future you. You're not being generous. Uh, and then likewise, if you,
1: if you gave all your money away, mm.
0: you've got your own household to look after in your own future. So I think it's that balance.
1: Mm. That's really helpful. I love that just, all three and if you're just doing one, that's clearly in balance yeah. picture.
0: And I think it's uh, it's important to note as well, like uh, financial health, you don't want any consumer debt if you if you can. Uh, keep away from debt. I wouldn't worry too much about um, giving all your money away. I'm always, I'd be dramatic when I talk, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry about being overly generous and overly giving away to charities and causes if your own household isn't in order or if you are in mm-hmm. consumer debt. I interviewed a philosopher, uh, Peter Singer. Mm. Uh, have you heard of him?
1: Yeah, I studied philosophy. So I read his oh, yeah. books and stuff. Back totally. At uni.
0: We actually talked about this. Like, you know, if you are financially in a mess mm. and you're paying interest on a credit card, it's not that smart to be paying $300 a month on charity X or charity Y. Right. But can we do a token nominal amount to scratch that giving itch mm. to say, yes, I, I do believe in this cause and I do want to help but I can't help as much now because I've got a mess to clean up or I've got um, kids orthodontics that I need to save for or mm-hmm. So it's it's just a bit of a dance. And so I would say, yeah, be consumer debt free, making sure you're living on less than what you earn, uh, be generous. And I think you'll find if you – um people that aren't generous – and that, uh, I'll say tight artists and stingy, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they don't have a lot of joy and they're not great people to be around. Mm. Yeah. Sorry if I offended you, but
1: you didn't. Yeah. You might've offended somebody. Well, but that's why I'm talking to really the person care. that I offended.
0: Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You'll be right. Yeah.
1: You know, I think about health holistically and, uh, That's why I think it's important, you know, we've done episodes on kind of health in our relationships, you know, mental health, Mm. obviously physical health is Mm. a part of that picture. Um, But it's not like you can just kind of completely compartmentalize it. They're all connected. And so often if we have money problems, we probably have some other problems. And likewise, when we have that healthy situation going on, if if we're being generous, if we're thinking about our family, if we're kind of living today as well as thinking about tomorrow, there are other layers of health going on.
0: Totally. We just recorded an episode before you walked in and um, the first part of it, we're talking about managing my new 40s, for example. And the first part of the episode was about lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I said, a lot of you might think, what are you talking about lifestyle? But lifestyle and money, it's explicitly linked mm. because it goes to quality of lifestyle and the balance. But when it comes to health, I mean, I, I honestly think like you talked about Um, financial health somebody's outward appearance in relation to how they handle their money could be I'm not saying this is a blanket rule Mm. but could be a reflection of what's happening behind the scenes
1: Mm.
0: so it might be somebody who's living week on week, living beyond their means, frantic have they got a well balanced and settled healthy life? Mm. And I'm not talking about physical health, I'm talking about Emotional health, or uh, are they at peace within their life? Because if you look in at that situation, they're scrambling and they're always overdue with their bills, and they're the person that might say, Oh, every I paid, I can only put $20 a week in my fuel tank. I can't fill it up each time, Mm. or whatever that is. And sure, you might be on a low income and it it is like that, but I'm talking about you know, you're in the workforce, you're working full time, and you know you're on good money. And if you're living in that week to week, I would ask the question, is the money an outward sign of an inward
1: Mm. thing? I know for me, seasons where I have felt more financially stressed and yet my financial situation hasn't necessarily changed. Mm -hmm. And it's actually in that season, I'm probably bundling some stresses together. And often there are these kind of pressure points where when you know, I, I'm, you know, a parent of young kids. So I often feel like I get frustrated because the house is crazy. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, no, actually, there's some deeper emotional regulation stuff here. And that's just triggering it a bit. Or the the finances might be the thing that kind of, oh, geez, how come I haven't bought my first home yet? And it's like, actually, I can then kind of do some work around settling myself. Mm. I think
0: it's a, as a, as an example to, you know, for those people listening Look for trigger points Mm. and I'll give you an example. I know when I am stressful on the road and get anxious and upset with people going slow, for me, that's a sign that I'm not at peace inside. It's just for me, Mm. if I'm driving around like, why am I so worked up? I know that I'm worked up when I act road ragey. Yeah. Because it
1: only comes out
0: when I'm worked up. Yeah. Yeah otherwise i don't care
1: absolutely and self-awareness is huge i think self-awareness you want to be good with your money you want to be good with your health you want to be good with your relationships you want to be kind of more confident within yourself all of that begins with self-awareness and being able to identify and think critically around those moments where you know if this happens it's it's an indicator it's a warning sign Mm. i need to look at some other stuff yeah that's just so so true
0: So we've talked, I guess, about the soft part of, I guess, health. Mm. So it's like the at peace type of health. But in terms of money, there's the hard correlation. Mm. If you um, have an unhealthy diet, you might put on weight and then that might cost you money because you might be diagnosed with diabetes or you buy cigarettes and you smoke cigarettes. That's explicitly linked Mm. to to money and Mm -hmm. your health and even – mental health like if you are undiagnosed mental health um, if you got undiagnosed mental health problems that could be explicitly linked because for example if you were bipolar and didn't know it you're spending you know you could it's a wave Mm. of a spectrum that you're on you might have a weekend or two that you just blow out and it Mm. might cost you three hundred dollars going out or you go and gamble and you just do erratic stuff where the underlying thing is a health condition that actually has a physical cost that he's costing you. Mm. So I'm yeah. a big advocate, and I always say on the podcast, like, if you think that something's not right, talk to your GP mm-hmm. and just have the conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, funnily enough, you might not want me to share this, but we, we we had to reschedule this because the other day you were at your, at your doctor. Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, I
1: forgot to tell you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so I'm, fine. I are you yeah, okay? I
0: am, and it was a freaky thing and this is why it's just like so bizarre. Mm. I I had a skin check. And this is the weirdest thing. I had a gut feeling for about 3 or 4 months mm. that I had to get a skin check. Don't know why. And then I went and got a skin check and he took a thing off my leg and a, and I said, "Oh, I want you to take a thing off the side of my face while you're here and you know, he goes, "Oh, I can't do your face today, but I'll take that off your leg. That looks a bit weird, but nothing to worry about. And I'll take this off here. And I wanted a mole taken off my arm just because mm-hmm. it was a bit yuck. And he goes, all right, come back next week and we'll just clip the thing off your face. And, you know, I walked back in on Tuesday, I think, when we were supposed to record this. And they said, oh, yeah, come in. Oh, you're here for your um, here for your leg. I'm like, no, no, in my face. He did the leg last week. mm um, No, I think there's a confusion Blah, blah, blah Doctor came in and said Oh, it was actually a melanoma on your leg So I need to cut out a chunk of skin mm. And I was just like And he said like skin cancer, melanoma I said, oh, hang on I was just in shock Because I, mm. I was there going to just get my face done I didn't yeah. know that the results had come in They obviously didn't contact me Because they knew I was already booked in Right So I was just, and I repeated him. so I said, Oh, so it was a melanoma. He's like, Yes. And it was just for me, the weird thing is, I'll show you. Big Oh wow. That's a manly scar right there. Yeah. It's good gash. It's uh it's like 14 stitches or something. So they had to take a big chunk out. And that's why I got delayed. Mm. And I was a bit, um, and I'll be honest, I was a bit just in a bit of shock. Yeah. And I just like, oh, I'm running late and I don't know if I can sit down and talk deep and meaningful because I'm a little bit not present. Mm. And the reason I wasn't present was I just kept thinking, what if I didn't go and get the skin check? Mm. What if it's a year down the track and I was sick and they said, oh, you've got liver cancer or kidney or who knows? It just freaked me out. Mm. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like I always, you can't live in the what ifs or if onlys Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like you're here now. But your your mind can play tricks on you and live in the what ifs or your mind can play tricks on you and live in the if onlys like the regrets. Mm -hmm. So you can't live in the what ifs or if onlys. But I kind of five o'clock, you know, on the Wednesday morning, I was up tossing and turning because I was living in the what if. Mm -hmm. Like what if I didn't get that cut out? it was a melanoma. Like mm. they kill people. I've known people who have died from melanoma and it freaked me out. Yeah. A couple of things I learned from it, just follow your gut feeling. Mm. If you've got some weird gut feeling or if you haven't been to a GP in a million years, just go and say, hey, is there something you can just check? Do me a skin check, throw a mm. needle in me, just do some bloods. Because often with the real serious, Medical medical issues, when the symptoms present, it can be too late.
1: Mm.
0: So, again, me living in the what if? Mm. What if I did get sick and had a blood test and said, "Oh, you've got bloody, I don't know, blood cancer." I don't just make. I'm not a doctor, but bloody blood cancer, bloody blood cancer. You got something. Mm. It would have been preventable if you had a skin check every year. I'm like, Mm. oh, great. So, I think it's just important to. Just be aware that stuff happens.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's a really good reminder, and it's just another, you know, I guess uh, when it comes to the cost, thinking about things, mm. there's what appears to be an inconvenience today, which is a much smaller cost would have been a than, catastrophe than allowing in two that years. compound interest or whatever. Totally. Yeah, and then it's another
0: discussion. Like if you don't have life insurance, mm. and particularly if you have got death uh, independence. You need to get life insurance because if I let this go and I got really ill mm. and it took me out, if I had kids, it's an issue. Like I've got death cover but I don't need it but it's linked to my disability cover and my trauma cover. Mm. So I'm insured if I get cancer. And in fact, the policy I've got has a partial benefit for melanoma. So I'm putting in a claim. Right. So I'm getting $20,000 from the insurance company. Mm. And it's kind of weird. It's like, oh, why? Why don't they pay a partial benefit to 20 grand? But then I was thinking, imagine if it was on your face and I had to get that out. You mm. might want to get some elective cosmetic surgery mm. and at least the money would be there for that. So, yeah, it, it was a bit of a whirlwind of a, a week. And I'm not like a lot of people get things cut out. But for me, the shock was that I went in not knowing. Yeah, <laughs> Like if they called me the week before, I would have been able to process it a bit. So it was mm. just more the shock.
1: Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate you sharing, sharing that story. Uh, with with me and with with others listening to this as well. For people that are kind of going, yeah, I'd love to become more more healthy Mm -hmm. uh, in a holistic way, but the money piece is a part of that. Obviously, there's some stuff there that's very practical around check your insurances, you know, Mm -hmm. go to the doctor, get your skin checks, all of that stuff. What are some other kind of first next steps that you would recommend for people listening that go, I actually haven't been very conscious or aware of this stuff. I want to become more financially healthy, get the balance right on those three things. Where would you kind of encourage people to start?
0: Yeah, I think the most basic thing you can do You need to – see, a lot of people – and I'll start with this. A lot of people came to me as a financial advisor saying, hey, I want financial advice. I want to get the future going. And it's like, no, you actually just need help managing your cash flow. Okay? So I would say you need to make sure that you have a money system in place. And when you talk about financial health, I think the first point I made was do you feel like you live week on week? Mm. Like do you feel like it's payday to payday? And if you have a good money system in place, within a couple of weeks that feeling can go and it just releases a whole heap of pressure even if you got debt. So I and I will for your listeners if you want I'll give you a promo code mm. and I've got an online course which is a spending plan and there's a series of like 7 or 8 9 videos and I teach people how to actually set up a spending plan. I think it sells for like $69. I'll just do a $30 discount awesome. code for you. your listeners. Um, so have a look in the show notes. But if you don't even want to do that, the first thing to do is segregate your money. So have a separate bank account that your pay goes into mm-hmm. and all the bills that go out of there and then work out amount into another bank account and I call it my blow account. So each week, I transfer an amount from my cash hub bills account Mm -hmm. into my blow account with a different bank. And in that account there, that's the only card that's in my wallet. That's the only card that's on my Apple Pay. Mm -hmm. And that's the only bank that's on my phone. Right. So, I get paid. Glenn James pays Glenn James once a week on a Thursday night. It's a set amount. And I use that card for food, fuel, entertainment, going out. Groceries, Mm -hmm. just Day-to-day, don't use my brain for it. And then on the other side with the other bank that isn't on my phone, I need to log into the computer. I've got a cash hub all the money goes into. All the bills come out of that and the spreadsheet in my spending plan will help you do this. But that's kind of the first thing to do is to separate your bank accounts and quarantine your money for the different purposes Mm. to start to get in control of what you're doing.
1: Mm, It's like safeguarding
0: against... You're protecting, Your you're protecting yourself and because I'm a spender by nature. So the blow account allows me to spend without using my brain or having to go, oh, i $2 for a coffee here. It's like, yep, just X amount a week. But for the savers, having that separate account gives the savers permission to spend. Right. Because a lot of savers struggle with the guilt of spending. Mm. But if we do a spending plan... Uh, you can give yourself permission to spend.
1: Mm,
0: love that. So yeah, it's all, it's all about quarantining your money. If you've got any debts um, and you are serious about getting out of debt, you've just got to know you're not getting out of debt, you're changing your behaviors. Mm. And the interest isn't the problem. It's the actual capital repayment that's your real problem. So if you if you do want to get out of debt, put all your debt repayments on minimum payments. And then do a debt snowball. And if you're interested in any of this stuff, just Google Glenn James debt snowball or Mm. something like that. Um, Or you can go to sortyourmoneyout.com and there's articles. Yeah, all debt minimum payments. And then you attack the smallest debt first, regardless of interest rate. Because you want the emotional wins Mm. to keep. Because if you went on a diet and the first goal was to lose 12 kilos, it's going to take a long time to lose 12 kilos. I'm not going to stick. But mm. if the first goal of the diet was to lose one kilo, all right, I can do that. All right, sweet, lost one kilo. Next goal, I need to lose two kilos over the next month. Sweet, I'll do that. So it just makes you stick to that goals because mm. it doesn't matter how smart you are. It's all about behavior.
1: Yes. I think I've seen you recommend in one of your emails or something, James Clear's Atomic Habits, which so is like one of the best books.
0: Um, I don't have it here because I've given it away. But
1: Um, it's it's exactly for people that are hearing what you're saying and are wanting to just actually, yeah, get some really practical advice on how to make behavior change at that practical, tiny habit level. Brilliant. Yeah,
0: because the weird thing is when you said earlier about the amount of income that someone spends, it's got nothing to do with that. It's about habits and behaviors. Like I had clients earning 400 grand a year. And he had a fifty grand credit card that couldn't shake. You just couldn't shake it. Mm. That's no different than like a someone earning seventy grand a year having a three thousand dollar credit card that they can't shake. It's just the the common denominator is the person in the
1: mirror. Yes, yes, I think about this often, and I think it's actually it's not just about. I think about this over time, right? So I think if me as a twenty year old, you know, was behaving a certain way with my money. And I don't do anything to change those habits and behaviors, then me as a 50 year old is going to have the exact same thing just magnified. Oh, totally. I mean, I had a client once he was 65, he came in and wanted to retire. Uh, he
0: had 30 grand personal loan, still had 180 grand on his mortgage, I think 200 grand in his super. And I'm like, well, whatever way you cut this, you can't afford to retire. Mm. But the reason a 65 year old still had a 30 grand personal loan is because maybe in his 20s, he would get a car loan roll it over, get a personal loan, buy a car and then buy this on personal debt and then refinance the mortgage along the way so then he gets to the end of his working life that he wants his working life and he's mm. still got debt because he didn't actually change the habit and behavior yep. uh, early.
1: And the older we get, the harder it is to change our habits and behaviors. Yep. Uh, yeah, Well, the more you do something, the more you do something mm. which can be a wonderful thing if you're setting up that habit of doing the right, the right thing, you right want to do to more do. of. Yeah, totally. And it can be a terrible thing if you don't kind of break the bad habits. Well, that's really good, really practical mm. advice. I'm am learning from this conversation, and uh, I think wherever wherever people are at, right? Obviously, some people are going to be more kind of literate with this stuff, um, but wherever you're at, I think there's always kind of continuous improvement that can be made. Yeah, and I think it's just important to note that no one is above this. Mm. Like no, like.
0: You know, the most high-profile upstanding citizen might have a an affair in their personal life. Mm. No one is above anything. We're all just… For sure. But it's just about making sure you keep daily, weekly, monthly accounts of your situation <clears throat> because it will drift. So the high-profile upstanding citizen, perfect image that turns out they've been cheating on their partner, there's no different then like they just didn't wake up one day having an affair Mm. and it's the same thing. The person with three grand credit card debt didn't just go and buy one $3,000 lounge. It's death by a thousand cuts slowly, slowly, slowly Mm. and then you end
1: up at that result. Which, yeah, it ties back to everything because to me the, the whole conversation about manhood is that I think like broadly speaking, you know, there's some generalizations but I think we've got some room to, to lift our game. I think culturally, the, the stats around violence and abuse and then suicide and, and, you know, men's mental health and all of that stuff, we've got, we got some room to, to lift our game. Um, but often, it's not these really dramatic incidents. It's like the adding up of a thousand yeah, kind of culturally acceptable yeah. small things totally. that lead us down those tracks. Right? Totally. Somebody doesn't just become violent in their household there's been thousands of steps before that. Totally. Man, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks thank for, you for coming your, over. for your wisdom. I'd love to give you the final word just to any any men listening and women. This is a podcast that's actually, I, I fundamentally believe that if we talk about men's health, we actually need to have all kinds of people at the table because that, that kind of affects people around us. But just your kind of final thought either around money, health, the general things we've talked about, that you'd like to leave us with?
0: Yeah, I. it's a saying that I would say when I was coaching face-to-face clients um, and almost, like I said, don't live in the what-ifs or if-onlys. Whatever situation you're in at the moment, whether you're up to your freaking neck in debt or you're, you are you don't have a good career and you want to change it or you're not in good health or whatever that is, you're here now it's all good what are we going to do
1: perfect love that huge thank you to Glenn James and his whole crew at My Millennial Money particularly for letting me record this episode in their studio it was a lot of fun and Glenn did generously send me a discount code just for you guys so if you head to the show notes for this episode you can get $30 off Glenn's spending plan which is awesome awesome Like most good things in life, Mankind Podcast is not just produced by me but a whole team of wonderful people. The music that you can hear right now and all the music on Mankind is produced by Josh Corkill, absolute legend. And uh, there's another person who doesn't really get much credit, but she is very much behind the scenes uh, of mankind, and that is my friend Alicia Carreño. She works uh, for Central Coast Council and is part of the team uh, that had the idea to create this podcast. I, was, uh, I gave Alicia very short notice when I saw her last and whipped out a portable mic Just to have a quick chat with her about where the original vision for this came from and uh, how she sees it feeding into community development here on the Central Coast. So here is a quick chat with Alicia.
2: Hi, my name is Alicia. I work for Central Coast Council as a community development worker. I live with my husband, Diego, and our dog, Clifford, and I'm a huge podcast fanatic um, definitely on the bandwagon of My Millennial Money and Glenn James. Always happy for a financial podcast. Um, yeah, and I just really love what's happening with mankind and you know I'm excited to see where the future takes it.
1: People probably don't know this, but you are kind of the original visionary of the Mankind podcast. Where did the seed of this podcast come from in your mind?
2: For me, I mean, obviously working in community development um, within council, we really try and look, I guess, for the gaps in voices and stories. And there was a huge gap in male voices in terms of the talk of gender equality or gender-based violence. Um, And it hasn't really been something we've delved into. I mean, we delve a lot into the space of, you know, Women's rights and equality for women. And that's a super important conversation and one that, you know, we do quite well sometimes. But yeah, we hadn't really kind of explored this space of masculinity and males' voices um, within the context of the programs that we run and the projects we do.
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. And I think we both share the viewpoint that a conversation around an issue that predominantly affects women, like domestic violence or something like that, is actually a conversation that everyone needs to be part of. It's not just a women's conversation or something like that. Yeah. So for you, like, what are some of the things that you think are most important for people to keep in mind as they engage in these kind of conversations?
2: I think it's probably really important to just be open-minded. I mean, you know, there are so many stereotypes that we grow up with in our culture, um, in the society that we just exist in, Um, and I think the most important part for me, I guess, in the mankind conversation is that, you know, we're talking about the non-binary space and we're talking about mental health and we're talking about things that we haven't really kind of talked about comfortably in society very well um, for very long. So I think yeah, for me, it's just important to have those open-minded conversations and to share stories and to listen to other people's journeys and perspectives and yeah, just be open to what the future could look like in a gender equal society.
1: I love that. So I know that you are like a bit of a community development boss and uh,
2: boss guru. <laughs> <laughs> boss seems you a lot know, of responsibility. Someone who
1: Someone who just like has a real passion to see communities thrive and to be places of safety and belonging and like genuine community and i love that you know i've loved hearing your heart on that and then seeing a lot of things you've done to build that just wondering you know one of the things i keep thinking about you know this idea of not just making a podcast or just putting out content but building community so i'm just wondering if you have thoughts around how listeners of mankind and people who are interested in this conversation can go further than just listening to or consuming content how can we build community around this stuff? Yeah,
2: well, I mean, like you said, it was important to me and it was important to you also from the get-go that, you know, we're not just creating content to be consumed or ideas or knowledge or stories to be consumed, but actually there's um, a sense of momentum or a sense of action that um, comes from that. And, you know, what I really hope from this podcast is that people are inspired to then go and want to do more in their communities in terms of gender equality or in terms of the conversation about what it means to be a, or what it could mean to be a 21st century man. Um, and yeah, I really hope that that inspires action and, you know, there's heaps of things you can do. There's community groups out there. You can get involved with, there's plenty of movements, um, that, you know, we can get amongst and you can create new movements. Like there's nothing to say that you can't start a grassroots, action in your own neighborhood, in your own community, Um, or just, you know, put little initiatives that we've talked about throughout the podcast in place. You know, if you are out somewhere and you're having a conversation with friends and family and, you know, you don't agree with something, speak up and say that. Just those little um, actions are super important. And that's where the community development lies, I think, is when it moves just past that media content that's consumable and it moves into a space where people actually want to take action
1: on that so good i love just a couple of thoughts from you on like when you think forward maybe a generation from now um when we're like getting getting old in old, <laughs> old folk. Um, what would you love to have seen progress or shift in how we think about who we are in terms of community and gender and how we relate to each other what would you love to see a generation from now?
2: I'd love for, I guess, the next generation just to feel like they can be who they want to be and there's a sense of empowerment and a sense of, I guess, no limits on, you know, how you can express yourself or how you can explore who you are. I think that's, you know, that's my goal is that people do feel like they belong in every aspect and however they want to belong. Um, and that, you know, people are empowered that it's okay to feel emotion if you're a guy and it's okay to be super tough if you're a girl and if you are somewhere in between or nowhere at all within that, it's totally okay to be you and, yeah, just see a society that is welcoming um, for everyone, just as people.
1: Too good. Thank you for being one of the people. I know there's obviously a team of people at council that you yes, know, put these things together. Yes, it is, these not things just together. Me. <laughs> Do you have a final just thought or next step or anything you're like reading or engaging with at the moment that you're finding hopeful around these ideas, anything that you want to point people towards?
2: I think my last thoughts would just be an encouragement that, you know, this podcast is stories and conversations about, you know, masculinity and the ins and outs and what that has meant in the past and what it does mean in the future, but it can be whatever the community wants it to be and it can be whatever you make it. Um, And I'm really thankful for all of our listeners and all of our interviewees. And, you know, like we were saying before, I do encourage you just to take that next step and not just consume the stories or the stuff we talk about, but actually go out into the community and, you know, make a difference in someone else's life or in lots of people's lives.
1: This podcast has been proudly brought to you by the Central Coast Council and developed by Lead by Story. Help us grow the conversation by giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode around on your social media. I'd love to hear from you. What's your experience of manhood in the modern world? Drop me a message on Instagram or at leadbystory.com.au and let's have a chat. Catch you next time on Mankind.